book of Isaiah chapter 40. We're going to begin with verse 25. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 25. When you have it, go ahead and say amen. The word of the Lord says this. To whom then will ye liken me? Or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high, and behold who hath created these things, that bringeth out their host by number. He calleth them all by names by the greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power, not one faileth. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God? Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, he fainteth not. I'm thankful that he fainteth not. Neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord. I want to focus on this scripture. 30, verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. I'd like to quickly turn your attention to the book of Galatians chapter 6. Verse 9. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, the word of the Lord says this, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season, everybody said in due season, we shall reap if we faint not. If we faint not. Amen. With the help of the Holy Ghost this morning, I'd like to preach to you a message entitled, They That Wait. They That Wait. Hallelujah. Could we lift our hands to heaven all across this building and just ask the Lord to be here with us today. Precious Lord, we thank you so much for your sweet spirit that has filled your house from the very first strike of a note. Lord, it has filled your house. Lord, we thank you for your wonderful spirit that we fill here today. Lord, we ask that your perfect will would be made manifest, Lord, amongst your people. Lord, we ask that you would speak directly into the hearts and the minds of your people, God. Let your word take root into the very being of who we are, God. Let us not just be hearers of the Lord, word, Lord, but I pray that we would be doers of the word. Lord, speak to us today, we pray. Let your perfect will be made manifest in your house. We ask all these things in the beautiful, wonderful name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word. You can be seated this morning. I would present to you this morning that the church that we are a part of today, the church that we make up as Holy Ghost filled believers, faces perhaps more threats now than it ever has before. 
It is no secret. It is not a secret thing. It's very evident that the church has adversaries. This culture, this very man and self-centered humanistic society that we all must endure and must live in. This society, it, it possesses an immense dislike and even hatred for the things of God. It is no secret. We all know that here today. It is everywhere that you look. Everywhere that you look, the church is under attack. Hollywood absolutely attacks the church. Every chance they get, subliminal messages, little jabs here and there. They're, they're attacking the very essence of who we are as people of God. Pop music and, and pop culture attacks the church. It's, it's just the simple truth. It is not a God-driven thing. It is an antichrist-driven thing. And it attacks the church every chance that it gets. People even in government offices today will at times attack the church. I'm here to tell you there is an all-out assault on the church today. There is an all-out assault on the things of God, the precious things of God that we hold so near and dear to our hearts as believers. This assault by the enemy it is very well planned. It is very well strategic. It is not something that is new. It is not something that has not been in the works for quite some time. It has been in the works for quite some time. It's very strategic. They, they slowly start attacking our morals. They slowly start attacking our godly lifestyle. And if we, we dare stand up to defend these, these morals that we, we hold so dear, righteousness, truth, justice, if we, we dare stand up for these things and proclaim the word and the way and the truth, of the Lord, if we dare speak up for the cause of righteousness and what is true, they label it as something like hate speech. They label it as something like bigotry. Oh, you're just so old-fashioned in the way that you think. You're not enlightened like we are. This is the new thing. This is the new way of living. This is what makes us happy. This is what makes us feel good. You, you just have an antiquated view on what you're supposed to do as a Christian and what you're supposed to live like and what you're supposed to look like and talk like. You're, you're just old-fashioned. You're out of date. You are antiquated. Because holiness and, and godly living and righteousness, it does not line up with the norms of today's society. It is not even remotely relative to what we encounter in today's society. Truth is so far from their minds, so far from their hearts, so far from the way that they operate and the way that they do things in the world today. Godly living and holiness and righteousness, it does not line up with the norms of today's society. And I do not believe it will be all that long before they will start slowly but surely start to impose on our spiritual freedoms that we love and we cherish and we hold dear. 
telling us that we cannot worship the way that we worship because it's offensive. And we can't preach the way that we preach because it might hurt somebody's feelings and it might convict some some hearts. And and we, we got a very small taste of that even in 2020 when the government stepped in in certain places and began telling churches, you can't gather together. You can't come into the house of the Lord. You can't worship the way that you always have worship. We got a very small taste of that in 2020. Slowly but surely, I believe it will happen. It's not yet a full-on physical war being waged. They do not come right out and say, we're coming for the church. We're coming for the things of God. We're going to rip everything that's near and dear to you away. That They're smarter than that. They know that that's not going to work. That's going to upset too many people and cause an uproar. It's not an all-out physical attack at the moment, but it is a spiritual attack at the, at the moment in the present day that we live in. Scripture tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and against powers and against rulers of darkness and against spiritual wickedness in high places. And let me tell you, child of God, there is spiritual wickedness in high places today. There is absolutely spiritual wickedness in the highest seats of the world today. Let me tell you, friend, it is very present the scripture goes on to tell us that the only way you're going to be able to withstand this war, the only way you're going to be able to be steadfast, the only way you're going to be able to remain strong and, and unwavering in the truth and in the things of God, the only way you're going to have strength in these last days is if you put on the full armor of God. I'm here to tell you, you need the full armor of God. I don't care. How, how holy you might think you are, you need the full armor of God. You are no match for sin. You are no match on your own for the principalities that are at work in this world. You are no match on your own for spiritual wickedness in high places. You need the full armor of God. Amen. Amen. Far too many people want to pick and choose what they wear. They want to pick and choose what they, they live by, what they implement into their lives. They want to pick this and that, and we'll implement that in my home, and, and I'll take a little bit of that, and we'll, we'll put that into my family, and we'll live by that. I can, I can live with that. That's not, that's not too drastic. I, I just want to pick and choose what I live by. But that's not how this thing works. That's not how you are going to withstand the wiles and the attacks of the enemy. You cannot be choosy with the armor of God. You need the full armor of God. I remember growing up, I would hear my pastor, my grandfather, he would say, people today want to have cafeteria-style church. And it's true. It's true. Some people want to pick and choose what they want and leave what they don't. I'll take a nice side of provision. You can go ahead and put a little, a little, uh, a little bit of anointing on my plate if you would like to. I'll take a double portion of purpose. Keep the holiness. Keep the, the self-restraint. Keep the righteousness. I don't want any of that. 
I'll take the good stuff. I'll take the blessing. I'll take the prosperity. That, that's what I want to implement in my life. And we get choosy with the things of God. And we get choosy with what we implement into our lives. I hate to disappoint you this morning if that is your strategy, but that is not how this thing works. That is not how you are going to be successful in these last days. That is not how you're going to withstand the attacks of the enemy. You need this whole gospel. You need every ounce of this holy book. You need the whole truth and nothing but the truth. There is no substitute for truth. There is no counterpart for truth. There is just truth. You need the truth of the word of God. Every ounce of what it is. If you want victory in this battle, you've got to put on the full armor. The full armor of God. You must have your loins heard about with truth because the truth and only the truth is what's going to root and ground your children and the next generation and the generation after that if the Lord tarries the truth and the only truth is what's going to ground your children and the next generation your feet need to be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and you need to take that message of peace everywhere that you go because this world that we live in is in turmoil This world that we live in is in such desperate need of peace and comfort. And I'm here to tell you, real peace only comes from God. Oh, hallelujah. And above all, you need to take up the shield of faith. For it and only it will be able to quench the fiery darts that the enemy is going to throw your way. And you have got to put on that helmet of salvation because you've got to be transformed and renewed by the transformation of your mind. And and you've got to take up the sword of the spirit, which is the living word of God. Don't you ever underestimate the power that is in this book. Don't you ever underestimate the power that is in these pages. This is not just another book. This is not just a collection of nice stories. This is not some kind of historically accurate fiction. This is not just a book of good proverbs. This, this, is, this is not any of those things. This is the living word of God. And it's just as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago. The words still ring true. No matter how chaotic this world may get. No matter how much it may shun the word of God. It's still truth. It's still relevant. And it's what you need. This is the living word of God. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword. This is how you fight your battles. This right here, the living word of God, the sword of the spirit, this is how you fight your battles. When the enemy comes against your family, when the world comes after your kids, when the spirit of oppression comes after your mind, don't you come at him with humanism and and man-made beliefs and and some kind of carnal man-made philosophy or or positive thoughts or good vibes. Don't don't come at him with with self-help books or anything of that nature. Those 
things are not going to work in the spiritual battle that you are in. You are not wrestling against flesh and blood. Good vibes are not going to work. Self-help books are not going to get the job done. You have got to pick up the sword. You've got to pick up the sword. We need some elders and some parents, some veterans in the army of the Lord to stand up and proclaim in this place that Satan, you cannot have my family. You cannot have my joy. You cannot have my children. You cannot have my marriage. You cannot have my ministry. You cannot have my calling. You cannot have this church because this church was bought with the precious blood of Christ and it is not for sale under any circumstance we've got to pick up the sword it's the only thing that works the world will tell you there's alternatives I'm here to tell you there's no alternative to the truth of God's word there's none whatsoever we've got to pick up the sword it's the only thing that works there's without a doubt without a doubt an antichrist spirit in this world today, I don't have to tell you that. You know that just as well as I do. It's everywhere that you go. You feel it. The, the Holy Ghost that's within you, it grieves when it feels that Antichrist spirit, the presence of that to come that will persecute Christ. I, I'm, I'm here to tell you that spirit has been loosed in the world that we live in today. There's no doubt about that. It's roaming in the world today and it's wreaking havoc. It's everywhere. You can feel it. But I propose to you that the greatest threat that the church faces today is not the Antichrist spirit. The greatest threat that the church faces today is not the obvious evil that we, we so presently see and feel. We're equipped to handle the Antichrist spirit. I believe we're prepared for that. We, we know how to fight that thing. We have the full armor of God. We have the helmet of salvation and the shield of faith. And, and we have the sword of the spirit. We are equipped to handle that thing. But I believe that there's a greater threat, one that we do not suspect, one that has, has flown in under the radar, and one that has slowly but surely crept its way into our churches. A more effective tool, if you will, that the adversary uses against the church. I believe that one of the greatest threats that the church faces today is weariness. Weariness. Because Satan knows, he knows he's not going to get most born-again, blood-bought, Holy Ghost-filled, redeemed children of God to backslide. He knows that. He knows that's a losing battle. That's not something that would easily be accomplished. He knows he's not going to be able to tempt most of us with drugs or with alcohol or, or mind-altering substances of different kinds. He knows he's not going to be able to lure most of us with, with fame and with fortune and alternative lifestyles. He knows he's not going to be able to corrupt most of us to the point that we turn into criminals and just societal degenerates. But the one thing that he does so often succeed in doing, the one thing I have seen him do time and time again, the one thing he uses to make us so easily slip up is making us weary in well-doing. He will hit you with things 
with so, we, we, he'll hit you with so much that you reach the point where we simply, we don't want to fight anymore. He'll hit you with so much that you don't want to fight anymore. And, and we'll, we'll come to the place where we convince ourselves that we're just, we're just going to lay low for a while. We're just going to take it easy for the moment. For, just for the time being, we're just going to take it easy. We're just going to lay low for a while. I'm just tired of fighting. I'm oh so tired of fighting. I'm I'm tired of being on the front lines of this thing. I'm so sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm worn out. I'm weary. I've lost my strength. I'm tired. I've been doing this for so long. I've, I've been through so much already. I think I deserve a rest now. I'm just going to take it easy for a while. I'm just going to take it easy for a while. I'm not going to backslide. I'm just not going to press as hard. Heaven help us. It's so easy to find yourself in that place. I know what you're feeling. I know what you're thinking. I know it's tiring. I know you just want to break from the fight. That's all you're asking for. But I've got to encourage you this morning. You can't stop now. We have come way too far to even contemplate taking a rest now. We, we're seeing too much come to pass in these last days for us to be comfortable sitting in the pew. I've got to tell you, we cannot stop now. We cannot afford to take it easy now. We've come too far. There's too much at stake. We need all hands on deck. The church needs you. The church needs you. I'm here to tell you the church needs each and every one of us. I'm here to encourage somebody today. We cannot afford to grow tired. We cannot afford to grow weary. We cannot afford to stop fighting. We cannot afford to grow lukewarm in these last days. Do not believe the lie of the enemy. He knows he cannot beat you. He knows that he cannot win. He knows that he is facing a losing battle. He knows that the church is built on the solid rock. That is Christ. He knows that the gates of hell shall not never ever ever prevail against the church he knows that no weapon formed against us shall prosper he knows all of that his goal though is not to defeat you he knows he can't defeat the church all he's trying to do is make you so weary that you stop fighting that's his goal his goal is to make you so tired so weak so weary, so downtrodden, so distressed, so so out of it, so so just under duress that that you you just simply lay down the sword. I'm here to preach to somebody this morning that maybe feels like they've already given everything that they've got. Somebody who feels like maybe their best days are behind them. Somebody who feels maybe like their best years are, are just in the past and, and lost in the corridors of time. Somebody who feel, feels like maybe they've already given their all. Somebody who's maybe a little weary in well-doing. Somebody who perhaps feels like they've already fought the good fight and maybe you feel like 
like it's time for you to lay down the sword and just take a seat on the back pew until the trumpet sounds. Oh, I want to encourage somebody in the Holy Ghost today. Now is not the time to take it easy. Now is not the time to throw in the towel. Now is not the time to lay down the sword. Now is not the time to spiritually retire. Now is not the time... Now's not the time. There's a war going on out there. There's a roaring lion out there. And you rest assured, he is seeking whom he may devour. And your time is running short. It's growing shorter every day. He's coming for your friends. And he's coming for your co-workers. And he's coming for your neighbors. And he's coming for your loved ones. And he's coming for your family and for your children. You can't stop fighting. You can't stop praying. You can't stop reaching. You can't stop doing outreach. You can't stop teaching Bible studies. You can't throw in the towel yet. You can't stop because the church is the last line of defense. We're the only ones that can stop him. We're the only ones who can stop him dead in his tracks. He knows. Oh, he knows. Rest assured, he knows he can't destroy the church. But he does know, he does know that he can make us weary. If he throws enough at you, if he throws enough curveballs your way, he knows that if enough things happen to you, he can make us weary. He doesn't come, he doesn't come against Holy Ghost filled people the way that he comes against people that are not filled with his spirit. He doesn't approach us the same way that he would approach someone who doesn't even have a clue who the Lord is. He comes at us differently. He'll hit you with things, with weights that scripture says so easily. They easily beset you. He'll hit you head on with things that you never once saw coming. Things that take you by surprise. Things that cause you to just take your eye off the mark and take your eye off of the prize and off of the goal. Things that will distract you and things that will detour you. Things that they they take up your time and, and keep you busy outside of the kingdom of God. He'll he'll come at you with marital strife and he'll stir up trouble in your home and he'll he'll come at you with thoughts of of doubt and confusion and he'll make you think that nothing you've ever done has ever mattered in this life And, and he'll hit you with depression and with loneliness and he'll have you thinking that nobody would even miss you if you just stopped showing up to church. He'll get you thinking that nobody would even notice that you're seat was empty next week he'll come at you like a whirlwind a whirlwind of turbulence a whirlwind of turbulence a while ago my my wife and i we were on our way home from albuquerque new mexico and on trips like that i'm very thankful for airplanes i like road trips as much as the next guy but I mean, 20 hours on the road is a long time. <laughs> it's only so fun for so long. So we, we like to fly when we can. But when you fly there, usually the layover spot is Denver, Colorado. And if you've ever thrown into Denver, Colorado before, you may have experienced this. But, but the, the Rocky Mountains are placed around 
the city. They surround the city and that wind comes over those mountains and it creates turbulence for those airplanes. So we, we flew in and miraculously the flight in wasn't too bad. It wasn't too turbulent. We had a nice soft landing. We grabbed a little bite to eat, went to our next flight. We boarded and we were on the plane for maybe a few minutes and all of a sudden I feel the wind blowing. Let me tell you, the whole plane was moving. We weren't going anywhere, but it was moving. <laughs> and right about then, the pilot comes on over the intercom and he says, ladies and gentlemen, it has been recommended that we do not take off right now due to the strong winds and the unpredictable currents. And I said, well, bless God. <laughs> he said, don't, don't worry, though. We'll get it. It'll calm down soon and we will take off as soon as we can. So I sat there for what felt like an eternity. It was only 25 minutes. <laughs> but we sat there and we, we waited and finally the pilot came on over the intercom and said, okay, ladies and gentlemen, we've been given the okay to take off now. We're going to go ahead and prepare for takeoff. But just a little heads up, it's going to be a little bumpy. <laughs> and I'm, you know, I've flown quite a few times. I'm not worried about it. I'm like, how bad could it be? I've experienced it before. Not a big deal. I'm here to tell you it was a big deal. <laughs> we, we go to take off. And I mean, as soon as we start moving, that whole back of that plane is fishtailing. I said, dear Lord almighty, keep your hand on this plane. It's fishtailing and and the pilot comes on and says, don't, don't worry, ladies and gentlemen. I know it seems bad right now. But once we get off the ground, once we reach the certain altitude, we'll be fine. Don't worry about it. We're just fishtailing down the runway. We go to take off and just jerking and bumping and hopping and skipping. I'm here to tell you, I don't like not being in control of things. And you have no control when you're in the air. None whatsoever. You are at the mercy of the currents and the knowledge of the airplane, or the pilot, rather, and whoever built the airplane. And it doesn't help that you know whoever built it was the lowest bidder. <laughs> but we take off, and we're bumping and, and jerking, and I'm praying I'm full of the Holy Ghost, let me tell you, at this point. But sure enough, just as the pilot said, when we reached a certain height... When we reached a certain altitude, all of it stopped. Instantly, not gradually. It wasn't like it slowly faded out and the bumps just got less and less worse. I mean, instantly, it stopped. When we reached that altitude, it instantly stopped. The wind stopped, the turbulence stopped. It all stopped immediately. Now it was still going on. The storm was still happening. The wind was still blowing. It hadn't disappeared. It hadn't stopped. It hadn't dissipated in any way, shape, or form. But we, on the other hand, had gone up to another level. We had gone up higher into another dimension. And I'm here to tell you, at that moment, when we crept higher and higher and we reached that altitude, and all of a sudden, all the 
jumping and all the skipping and all the hopping and all the fishtailing, it immediately stopped. And when that happened, the scripture came to my mind, Isaiah 40, 31. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. I wish I could tell you today that once you came to God and you gave your life to Him that you would never experience trouble. Oh, how I wish I could tell you that this morning, but it would be a lie. I wish I could tell you that you'd never encounter turbulence. I wish I could tell you that you would never fall on hard times and confusing times. I wish I could tell you that you would never ever deal with sickness in your body. I wish I could tell you that your arms and your legs would never ever grow weary, but but that would not be the truth because it's just part of life life is hard it is not an easy thing scripture tells us that a man that's born of a woman is but of a few days and full of trouble but here's what i can tell you you have a promise you have a promise that if you wait on the lord no matter how difficult the situation may be, no matter how hopeless it may seem at times, no matter the, if you can't see your way out, I'm here to tell you, if you wait on the Lord, you sh- He shall renew your strength and you will mount up on wings like eagles. You shall not be weary and you will walk and not faint. Whether it be in this life or whether it be on in glory, if you wait on the Lord, if you wait on the Lord, you're going to mount up on wings like eagles and soar. You're going to run and you're not going to grow weary. You're going to walk and you're not going to faint if you wait on the Lord. If you wait on the Lord. Not if you throw in the towel. Not if you quit when the going gets tough. Not if you just stop dead in your tracks and say, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do, so I'm not going to do anything. But to them that wait, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. To them that wait on the Lord. It's imperative that we understand what it really means to wait on the Lord. It is so important that we understand in the church today what it really means to wait on him to wait on the lord to show up it does not mean sitting in a pew and never doing anything it does not mean becoming inactive in your local church it does not mean you stop showing up for midweek it does not mean that you just sit down and fold your arms and say i don't know what to do so i'm not gonna do anything it does not mean that you sit down and become a spiritual bump on a log somewhere on the back row i'm here to tell you that is not what that means what it means is staying where God has placed you until his perfect will is performed. What it means is even when you don't know what to do, you keep on doing what you do know to do. It means you keep coming to church even when people have hurt you. It means you keep reaching for the lost even though your own kids aren't serving the Lord. It means you keep on praying even though it feels like they're not being answered and your prayers are just hitting a glass ceiling. It means you keep on keeping on. It means you stay faithful oh i feel the holy ghost in this place wait on the lord wait on the lord 
Wait on the Lord. I, hear me this morning, child of God. I know that seasons in life can be hard, but please don't stop coming to church. Wait on the Lord. Don't, don't, don't you ever even think about forsaking your prayer life. Wait on the Lord. I say wait on the Lord. Don't, don't, don't you dare give up on your kids. God's not done with them yet. Don't give up on them. Wait on the Lord. Don't throw in the towel. Don't you quit. Don't you hesitate. Don't you just take up residence and not do anything. Wait on the Lord. His perfect will will always come to pass. His purpose will always prevail in the life of the believer. He will do what he said he would do. But you've got to wait on him. You've got to wait on the Lord. I believe that every word in this book is important. Every single word. There's no filler words in this book. There's no scriptures that the authors just put in and said, well, I need to make this a little longer. I better squeeze in. There was no word count for the Bible. Every single word is important. And it serves a purpose and it has an, an, a, a, a divine reason. Every word's intentional. And I love every analogy that the, lo- the word of the God uses to paint pictures in our mind and, and to describe what, what the author is trying to get across. And I love the analogy in Isaiah chapter 40 where it's the analogy of wings like eagles. Eagles are such amazing creatures. They are such amazing creatures. Has anyone ever encountered one in the wild before? It is, it is just an incredible thing. I'll never forget one of the first times I really saw an eagle in the wild. I'm not talking about at the zoo. <laughs> but really in its natural habitat, doing what it was created to do. I was fishing in the backwaters of this lake and somewhere in southern Indiana. And just out there fishing, not really catching anything, just having a good time. And I'm reeling in, and all of a sudden I see this massive bird circling over the lake. And all of a sudden I notice its trajectory shifted, and it swooped down. It so effortlessly grabbed a fish and took off with it. It was an incredible thing. It was a beautiful thing. I'm so glad I got to witness it. Eagles are incredible, amazing creatures. An interesting fact we all know that our country's national symbol is the eagle. How many know that? I think just about everybody does. The national symbol of this country is the eagle. There's nothing more patriotic than the American eagle. It strikes fear into the hearts of our enemies. It's just such an incredible thing, the, the American eagle. But did you know that the founding fathers almost decided on a different bird to be our national symbol? They almost chose the turkey. I kid you not. True story. You can look it up. They came very close to choosing the turkey. What would have happened? We would have lost World War II, that's for certain. Nobody's afraid of a turkey. <laughs> and the turkey will fly. What what would have happened if they picked the turkey to represent this great country? What would we be eating at Thanksgiving? Mashed potatoes, green beans, and roasted bald eagle. (laughs) 
All the teens would be shopping at American Turkey. (laughs) This world would just look a lot different. I'm thankful they didn't pick the turkey. I think it was divinely purposed (laughs) that they picked the eagle. Because the eagle is just an incredible creature. It's a majestic thing. They can fly up to 10,000 feet in height. And they can fly as far in a single day, upwards of 225 to 250 miles, in one day without resting. Its wingspan is nearly eight feet in length. It is a massive, incredible creature. And it was designed and created by Almighty God. And it uses its powerful wings to lift itself off of the earth. And it harnesses the power of the wind and the turbulence. And it uses that wind and that turbulence and those unpredictable currents in the wind to lift itself higher and higher into the heavens. It does not matter how bad the elements may be. It does not matter how bad the storm may seem. Scientists and biologists have actually examined and watched eagles flying head on into storms because they're not intimidated by storms. They understand that they have the capability to harness the power of the wind and they have the capability, the God-given ability to harness those currents and, and they have the ability to harness that and it propels them into another dimension. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. The same thing that would keep most creatures grounded and send them running for cover and running for shelter is what propels the eagle into a heavenly dimension. (laughs) I'm here to tell you, the storms of life will either be what keep you grounded in your confusion and grounded in your depression and grounded in your fear and your anxiety and your worry, or if you wait on the Lord, if you stay faithful, if you remain steadfast to his cause and to his purpose, it will be what propels you into heavenly places. I've watched precious saints of God, veterans of the gospel, leaders and elders. I've watched them go through things. I've watched them go through trials, through pain, through sickness, through struggle, through storms that would destroy most people. Things that would would bring most people down and, and humiliate them. But you'd never know by watching these elders and their worship. You would never know by watching their walk with God. The people that knew their circumstance, what they were going through and what they were experiencing, they, they would be amazed at how they just simply keep Keep walking and putting one foot in front of the other. They should be so weary. They should be so tired. They should be faint. They should be falling to pieces right now. But those elders, those warriors for Christ, they understand something that we all need to understand this morning. They understand that the storm you're going through was never meant to destroy you. The terrible circumstance that you're facing right now was never meant to be your end. I'm here to tell you, What you're facing right now is not your designated end. That pain, that weariness, that struggle, the storm you're in right now is not supposed to handicap you. No, no, no. When you mount up on wings like eagles, when you mount up on wings like eagles, it'll be what sends you 
into a heavenly dimension. I'm here to tell somebody, when you wait on the Lord, when he shows up and renews your strength, you're going to mount up on wings like eagles. The, the, the very thing that you thought was going to kill you, the very thing that you thought would be the death of you, the very thing that you thought would destroy your family, the very thing that you thought would destroy your ministry is going to be the very thing that pushes you closer to him. It's going to be... The- thing that lifts you higher and higher to him the storm may hit your family it may hit your marriage it may hit your ministry it may make you weary but they that wait upon the lord i said they that wait upon the lord they that wait upon the lord they that come to church even when it's hard to come to church they that pray even when they're not sure what they should pray they that praise him even when they're not sure what they should be praising him for they that are faithful even when the world is falling apart they that wait upon the Lord they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength they not they that quit not they that throw in the towel not they that take the easy route out but they that wait upon the Lord Oh, they that wait upon the Lord shall, shall, shall renew their strength go on devil give it your best shot give it your best shot Throw it at me, but I'm just going to warn you. Fair warning. Anything you do to me is just going to push me closer to him. Anything you come after my family with, it's just going to push my family closer to him. Anything you come against this church with, it's just going to push the church closer to him. Anything you come against our youth group with, it's just going to put the youth group closer and closer and closer to him. Anything you come against me with, when I wait on the Lord... When you wait on the Lord. The biggest obstacle, I'm getting ready to close. The musicians could go ahead and come. The biggest obstacle between you and what God has planned for you is your reaction to the storm. The biggest obstacle is your reaction to the storm. When most people see a storm, They start looking for shelter. They start looking for cover. They start scrambling around looking for a place to hide. They go back to things the Lord delivered them from. That's that's people's first response to the storm. They say, oh, oh, this thing must not be working out. I'm going to go back to what the Lord brought me from. They go back to Egypt. That's not what God called you for. That's not the right reaction to the storm. Eagles, they don't hide from the storm. You know what does? Chickens. Chickens, they hide from the storm. They run back to the coops. They run back to the the nest and the roost. And I'm worried we might have more chickens than we have eagles. I'm here to tell you it matters how you react to the storm. What if Joseph... We love the story of Joseph. It's such a great story of deliverance and provision. But what if Joseph had had a different reaction to the storm? What if he had said, I don't deserve any of this. God, I don't. Why'd you rip me from my family? Why'd you sell me into slavery? It doesn't make any sense. 
I'm going to just quit while I'm ahead and I'm going to do my own thing here in Egypt. But that's not what he did. That's not what he did. Joseph remained steadfast. Joseph remained faithful. Even when the circumstance was bleak, even when the storm was roaring, he said, God, I don't understand why I'm going through what I'm going through. I don't understand why I'm facing what I'm facing. I don't understand why I'm in a prison for crimes that I never committed. I don't understand why I'm stuck here interpreting dreams for people when my own dreams don't even have answers yet. I don't know why I'm facing what I'm facing. But what I do know, I'm going to wait on you. That's my reaction. I'm going to wait on you. I'm not going to throw in the towel. I'm not going to backslide. I'm not going to quit coming to church. I'm not going to give up on the things of God. God's been too good to me. He's been too good to me. He's done too much for me. He's brought me too far. He's done too much in my family. I've come too far. I'm going to wait on him. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to wait on him. It may may not make sense to anyone in the world. What are you going to do? Your whole world's falling apart. I'm going to wait on him. What are you going to do? Your marriage is falling apart. I'm going to wait on him. I wonder if we could make our way to this altar this morning. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place today. I wonder if we have some Josephs in the house. Some people who are going through some things that aren't fair. Some things that you don't deserve to be going through. Some circumstances that don't make any earthly sense. I wonder if you could lift your hands to heaven and say, Lord... I'm going to wait on you. That's my reaction. That's my decision. I have decided to follow Jesus. Come what may. Come what may. I've made my decision. I'm going to wait on him. I'm going to wait on the Lord. In the midst of uncertainty, I'm going to wait on the Lord. In the midst of confusion, I'm going to wait on the Lord. When I don't understand why I'm facing what I'm facing, I'm going to wait on Him. I'm going to wait on Him. I'm not going to leave the church. I'm not going to backslide. I'm not going to stop being involved. I'm not going to stop doing outreach. I'm not going to stop teaching Bible studies. I'm not going to stop reaching for my lost loved ones. I'm going to wait on Him. Hikayonomoshiata. <laughs> And I'm here to tell you, when you make that decision to wait on the Lord, one day, maybe when you least expect it, one day, you're going to mount up on wings. (laughs) You're going to mount up on wings. And he's going to lift you up out of depression. He's going to lift you up out of circumstance. He's going to lift you out of confusion. He's going to lift you out of the chaos that you might be facing. He's going to lift you. And he's going to renew your strength. Oh, come on, let's fill this house with worship. Let's fill this house with praise. God, you've been too good.